Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Welcome to the Midweek Podcast. I'm Will Connerly. He's Charlie Bornoff. We've got our winners, losers, weekend rotation, series picks upcoming for next weekend. And right now about to recap what we saw last weekend, Charlie. One more week of the regular season, then we get into the thick of conference tournaments. Great time of the year. There were some big time winners as always, and we're going to get into that right now, Charlie. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Great weekend of baseball. It's a little bittersweet we're ending the season, but I mean, it's also at the same time impossible not to get excited about conference championship time and regionals. Next thing you know, it'll be Omaha, and the next thing you know, it'll be postseason, or not postseason, offseason. We're watching the Cape Cod. Yes, I mean, so cherish these final weeks, and really it's a month when you think about it with the conference tournament, the regional, the super regional, and then Omaha, but uh, cherish it because it's been a great year of college baseball, and um, that's what the 50 games are for. Who's going to play well in the postseason? So with that being said, uh, here's a team, Charlie, my first winner, Florida. They swept Vanderbilt over the weekend. Both of those teams will find themselves in the postseason, not only their conference tournaments, which is an accomplishment in itself to make the SEC tournament, but both of those teams certainly look like they will be hosting in the NCAA tournament as well. Florida with just a massive statement, Charlie. A few weeks back, they had a couple slip-ups. Every team has that, but they took sole possession of first place in the SEC East completing a series sweep over Vanderbilt. It was sweet for those in Gainesville because it was senior day as well. Jack Caglione had his best start of the year in SEC play, and Wyatt Lankford was really impressive as well, going three for four with a couple of home runs as well during that Caglione start. So the Gators now 40-12, and 12. Pretty impressive what they were able to do over the weekend, just dominated. And, and you got to give a lot of credit. Neely looked good out of the bullpen in the back end. I um, mean, it was fun to see, you know, like these some of these seniors going off in great fashion in Gainesville. Something you got to talk about. A guy like Josh Rivera, who's had ups and downs in his career, ending in on a super high note. So give a lot of credit to Kevin O'Sullivan because they have played extremely well. All of their four sweeps this year have been in Gainesville, and they got it done this past weekend. I mean, they they dominated, Charlie. 22-4 to four is an absolute domination, and that's what the Gators did. They're my first winner here this weekend. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. Uh, like you said, Caglione did have easily his best outing as a pitcher this weekend. I think it's kind of highlights more of a cherry on top for how good the pitching staff was this week. I mean, like you said, they only allowed four runs total, and that was in two games because they did blank Vanderbilt in the first game. Granted, there was no Carter Holton, so that did hurt Vandy for sure. But, I mean, this is what you want to see when it comes down the stretch and it gets to crunch time. I mean, we all know how talented this Florida pitching staff really is, and they haven't really put together, I think, is a fair way to put it this year. But, I mean, if they can start pitching like this, I mean, Florida is an easy national title contender. But if they can't, if they're – you see the old Florida pitching staff, I mean, I got some question marks about them for sure because it's just hard. it's hard to hit your way to a championship. It is very hard. They're going to try to do it, though. Over 10 hits per game is an impressive number. It's not always a stat you look at, but when it's in double figures every game on average for the season, you say, okay, 
they're doing a lot of good things and they they have some star power on that team some veterans so that top of the order is just scary so it's it's going to be fun to see but you're right if Caglione can throw well good luck um in a super if the if the other teams are or or other starters in the rotation are also doing well so it's going to be interesting to see how Florida can you know respond and uh, continue this momentum that they picked up they're on the road against a ranked team in Kentucky this coming weekend so we'll see yeah, absolutely. And well, speaking of teams that can rake and really put on display over the weekend, my first winner is Dallas Baptist. The Patriots not only swept UTSA, but are in sole possession of first place in Conference USA. Impress, really, really impressive conference record of 23 and 4. I know CUSA may not be a power five, but still a hell of a conference in its own right. I think Grant Jay's been a huge piece of that team. And I mean, the offense in general, like we always know that DBU can hit and really show it's really highlighted by the fact they have three guys in the OPS. Over a thousand, Jace Grady and Cody Colden are both in the 900s as well. So they got plenty of guys, and Tom Poole as well. So they got plenty of bats. Pitching staff is not, not really an elite pitcher per se, but it's really a committee of just really good arms out of the bullpen, the starters, and mesh as well. Um, could be a dark horse. I don't think they're going to win the whole thing, but could be a team you might see in Omaha. Battle for first place. This was a massive series and a massive win overall, especially for two teams that were ranked that you may not traditionally see in the rankings, at least for UTSA. Dallas Baptist has been an incredible program. UTSA has been great this year. It was their final home series of the year. Dallas Baptist gets it done. The series was highly, highly anticipated, but man, they're, they're doing really well. Dallas Baptist pitching all year has been something to just look at. Charlie, because they've been throwing the ball really well. And this weekend was no different. And congratulations as well to Dan Heefner, 600 wins. Yeah. Shout out to Dan, man. Yeah. UTSA, DBU, both two really good teams. Um, I'm excited to see what DBU's future is like. Cause like you said, I mean, they've been a really good program for a while now, but that was in the Missouri Valley, which is, you know, an elite conference that you have some, you can beat elite in that conference as my, my hat says with most state. They've done it before, but I mean, beating Conference USA in a destination place like Dallas, I mean, DBU might have a much higher ceiling than people ever thought. I agree. I think that it's going to be interesting to see what they can do, but they definitely are throwing the ball well right now. Huge win to be able to do that. Not Battle for first place, and you get a sweep. That's a statement uh, within your league. So that kudos to them. My second winner, Charlie, unless did you did you uh, have anything else? No, I'm all good, brother. You go ahead. We're all good. I don't want to cut you off because you got to talk about DBU as oh, much yeah. as we can. But my next team, team that we haven't talked about a ton, a team that was one of the best offenses in the country last year from batting average perspective. Um, I'm, They're 30 and 21 right now, 12 and 15 in conference play, but they're coming off the heels of just a massive series win over the weekend. That is Georgia Tech getting the job done because it felt like their backs were up against the wall in in a really tough way going into this series against the 10th ranked team in the country, Duke in Durham, North Carolina. They win the series winning game one and three by a score of eight to five. They lost six to five in game two. So nearly close a run away from getting a sweep at number 10 Duke. But this was huge because they make a much bigger case now for making the NCAA tournament. And you could have counted them out 
Jets with certainty a couple of weeks ago, it felt like, but they've been playing better as of late, and that's what they've had to do. They picked up the series win against Pitt, and then they couple that and parlay that with a good performance this past weekend. So going to give Georgia Tech a little bit of love on the podcast for my second winner here this week, beating a good Duke team. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, when you're a team like Georgia Tech, we see these teams every year, kind of like how Rutgers was a year ago in a way. It's those teams where like they're pretty good, but you just don't know if they're going to. They're on that. They're on the bubble right now, and the fact that you're getting a mass, like you said, road series win against Duke. I mean, that just really helps legitimize your case for them. And like the the thing that always worries worries me about Georgia Tech, though, is you look at the numbers this year too. They're absolutely raking. I think they're hitting what three twenty five as a team on the season, which is absurd. But at the same time, that's paired with a six five three ERA as a team as well. So it's a very classic Yellow Jackets team. I do think they have a case to get in. I mean, especially if they have a good showing in the ACC tournament. That'll be even bigger for them. But uh, I'm curious to see where they'll end up uh, at. Really good series win. It's kind of one of those things where you keep it rolling, maybe good things will happen. I agree. And talk about pitching. It was Duke's pitching, too, that was really inconsistent over the weekend. Maybe pitching against Georgia Tech's offense had something to do with that. But, I mean, Duke is a team. I mean, it was their first ACC series uh, loss since, since March. Um, so they they did a pretty good job to be able to take that series. Impressive, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to keep it in the ACC, Will, because another team that hasn't lost – this team still hasn't lost an ACC series still March. The last time they lost an ACC series was when they got swept by Wake Forest on the weekend of March 30th to April 1st. So I guess technically they haven't lost a series since April, really, I guess. But you get what I'm saying. And that's Clemson. We talked about them quite a bit. This year, they swept the week. They went 4-0 on the week. They're now up to 7th in the national rankings. Um, I don't think there's any team hotter in baseball right now, to be totally honest with you. I don't – there is one. I don't know who it is. You got you to gotta show them because I've not heard a thing about them. Um, shout out to Billy Amick and Cohen. He's hitting 413 with 10 homers. He's a big catalyst for this offense. Um, I've said before, Tigers, a team definitely weren't on my radar preseason. I was, I've always been a big Caden Grice guy, but I didn't really see the vision with the Tigers this year. They've clearly proven me and a lot of the people wrong. And I mean, I'm excited to see what they'll do in the postseason because they, they went from like back in the April, like I said, they went from like not even being close to hosting anything, just hoping to get in the tournament. Now they're could be hosting supers. They completely turned around their seer, their season. I mean, it was it's been the best turnaround for any team in the country this season. Right when the midway point of the season hit, you you mentioned it that end of March, early April. You know they've been the one of the most impressive teams in the country, and the national polls recognize that how they've played as of late. I mean, the Tigers have won six consecutive series. They've swept three of their last four opponents. They're up to number eight in the RPI. That's a mid-season turnaround if I've ever seen one. They're consistently ranked in the top 25, pretty high, no matter what pull you look at. So, I mean, it's just a blazing finish. These are the type of teams you look at when you get into the postseason. It's not always how you start. How do you finish? And they are on fire headed into the postseason, Charlie, kind of like an Oklahoma team from last year just scorching hot 
headed into the postseason, it feels like this is a team that could potentially make a run. They've been so good as of late. It's been cool to see sometimes teams find their strides at different times. You want to peak at the end, and that's what they've been doing. So good job for Clemson. Absolutely, man. As we move along, Charlie, our third winner, for me at least, is going to be the Missouri Tigers. They did a pretty good job over the week, and I think that's the way that I would describe it after they're able to pick up an SEC series win. And when you say that, you say, okay, Well, every team in the SEC wins a series in conference play. Sure, that is true, but the way that they did it in a similar fashion to Georgia Tech with their backs up against the wall against a Georgia team, that's pretty good. A couple of walk-offs in there as well. They get the job done winning 13 to 3 on Friday, 14 to 12 on Saturday, and 5 to 4 on Sunday. Missouri still I would think a long shot to make the NCAA tournament 30 and 20 overall despite the sweep of Georgia. 10 and 17 in SEC play. So they're going to need to win this weekend, potentially need, maybe even need to sweep and win a couple games in Hoover, but they severely helped their chances of making the NCAA tournament sweeping Georgia and doing it in dramatic fashion as well in Columbia, Missouri with the walk-off. So got to tip your cap to the Tigers, just like we did to the Clemson Tigers, the Missouri Tigers also with an impressive weekend sweeping Georgia. I would agree. I don't think they're probably gonna make the tournament. Good series win though and sweep for sure for Duke. I'm not Duke, excuse me, Mizzou. Um, I was watching a little bit of it. Obviously very exciting games the last two of the weekend. I do think I will say a positive note from Mizzou, though I we like we just said we don't think they're making any kind of postseason noise. But Luke Mann, I think, might be the most underrated player in the SEC. He's currently hitting three three twenty six. He's played and started in every single game this year, so he's fifty for fifty. Um, twenty home runs, ten um doubles, seven oh five slug, and a four 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 on base percentage. And he's fielding at a pretty good clip too. I don't think there's Luke Mann took a risk coming back to school, and he's paying off for him. Yeah, and he's, I mean, it's paying off for him literally, like in, yeah. in dollars and cents. So um, it's gonna it's gonna look good. I mean, he's oh, yeah. performing at a at a really high level. And yeah, I think I'm intrigued now because I you're right. If we had to say now, are they gonna make it or not? No, but they have a chance still. If they lose this series over the weekend, I think their chances are over. So Pretty I much just, dead in the water. To say that sweeping Georgia at least kept their season alive yeah. in the respect of not only getting into Hoover, which they were battling for headed into this weekend, but also getting potentially to the NCAA tournament, technically three walk-offs to, to, because game one, ultimately True. getting the run rule walk-off, game two, I mean, and then game three, you see a walk-off bomb. That's pretty cool uh, to see overall Dylan Leach coming through with his third walk-off hit of the year for him. Mizzou in that game too. That is, I mean, that is a lot for one year. Three walk-off hits in a year, and then they walked it off on Sunday as well. So Mizzou was dead a couple of weekends ago. They have a little bit of life now. Absolutely. And I'll say the last thing. Um, I don't know. I hopefully Luke Mann. I think he. I think he's played his way maybe in top ten rounds, but we'll see because age will be a factor too. But I'm just. Yeah. I'm only saying because I know we. I. 
we played against him in high school and then we saw him in the car show and just how much power that dude really has in the bat is just jaw dropping at times. It is. And he he's a guy who's been in front of scouts in the SEC, been in front of scouts in the Cape Cod League. He's been in front of the limelight as well, at least a little bit with his journey and his path was yeah. really an accomplished pitcher coming up. But the interesting thing, too, is he's highly regarded in the coaches. I mean, I think they picked him yeah. as the preseason first team third baseman in the SEC. So he's living Could up be. to that hype. Yeah. Could be wrong on that, but I believe I saw him on some of the preseason polls and you wonder if that's going to stay or not. But Overall, he's definitely performed at a high level this year. There's no question about that. How about you, Charlie, for the number trace? High levels. Well, we're talking about high levels here. This is a program that's been on a high level for since I can remember, and a coach who's one of the best coaches ever. He is his, in his own level of highness, and that's Arkansas. Dominant weekend. They take the series over South Carolina. Still a very good squad, in my opinion. Um, They're second in the nation now. They've kind of been one of those teams where, like, we always hype up LSU. We talk about Wake Forest. We talk about even Florida more than Arkansas at times. But they've just been quietly, consistently good this whole year. So I just want to give a hats off to not only Dave Van Horn and what he's done in the transfer portal, but the pitching staffs look tremendous. I think the Hagen Smith, with the way done with Hagen Smith this year, has been incredible. I mean, he's been huge for them all the way through. And Hunter Holland, we'll talk about a little bit later on, was absolutely lights out this weekend, being a big time arm for them this year. And Dave Van Horn, just another classic. Who absolutely loaded lethal Arkansas squad because we had questions coming in because we didn't know what they did because they lost a ton of talent a year prior. But stand with us for possible for doubting Dave Van Horn and what he can do. Yeah, I mean it's a good point. Um, you can never doubt him. He is a model of consistency. He is a model of excellence. Um, in yeah. the game of college baseball, and I, it's you can say that about a lot of coaches who are good and a lot of coaches are great. But when we talk model of excellence, I think that if I had a, my handout and named five names of greatest coaches, at least right now. So yeah. greatest is probably the wrong word, because when you talk about great, you encapsulate the historic. But active coaches in terms of their greatness, he is one of the top five active. Co- that would be an interesting uh, to come up with our list because there's some damn good ones out there. But he is on that list for sure with the success that he's had at the most difficult conference year in and year out. So, so, so impressive. And that pitching staff, man, they had a little bump in the road, at least from an injury perspective earlier in the year. They get held. They get rocking and rolling and they get in their home field in the postseason. I don't see anybody beating them. And I think they are going to get to Omaha. I agree. Um, now you got me thinking about the top five. There's, I think there's, you could argue there's possibly three to four in the SEC right now because Dave Van Horn, Kevin O'Sullivan, Tim Corbin, Corbin and Van Horn for sure. And that's the Schlossenagel too, possibly. Yeah. There's a lot in there. There Makes is. Makes sense though, too. I mean, it, it definitely does. I think that a guy like um, that could be on the on that just in that discussion, potentially a guy like Gary Gilmore at Coastal yep. with how long he's been That's a there. Great point. And he has an championship, too, which I think is harder to win it there than it would be at like, I don't know. Like, not, I don't want to say Vanderbilt because like Corbin kind of built a Vanderbilt, but you get what I'm trying to say, like a traditional power. It's a lot harder to recruit to Coastal Carolina than it is to get a dude to Florida. And I'll give you an example. I mean, I was looking up, uh, I'm getting ready for regionals this coming weekend at the Division II level, and I go down a rabbit hole, and I go to find myself on Missouri State's website because there's a transfer from there. Talk about Keith Gutton, you know, 1,000 wins 
plus and, and and guys like that and someone who's taken Missouri State to the College World Series and made the postseason a ton and has switched conferences I mean for over 40 years so you'd have to think about guys like that too um, who have been there really long I mean that would be a fun list but no matter what the list is Dave Van Horn would be on it that was the point I was trying to make so um, that is awesome now we're going to go to the other side of the coin and go to some losers Charlie and my first loser you talked a little we talked a lot about sweeping in the winners. Well, I'm going to talk about a team that was swept in a ugly fashion. They were swept not only over the weekend, but they were swept out of all the national polls as well. That's the Sheesh. Oregon Ducks. They were swept by Washington, Charlie, for the first time since 2009. A tough scene for this team Damn. trending in the wrong direction. I know they lost their ace on the mound, but they have now dropped back-to-back series, and it is – talk about trending in the wrong direction. That is what they have done. So the Oregon Ducks are my first loser. That's a good loser. Um, Definitely not the time you want to start cooling down this time of year. Definitely not the right time. Tough look. Um, they'll probably be okay. Oh, 14 and 13 is not great, though. Um, Hardy when losses happen, but Oregon's a good program. I mean, they'll bounce back no matter what. Uh, but we'll see. I'm cu- I'm still cu- This has nothing to do with this current week, but every time I think about the Pac-12, I'm curious how like, schools, especially in Oregon, are going to be affected by uh, the leaving of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a big factor. Um, I think that one thing that you – the effective it's going to have a lot of effects, I think, but, and we'll time will tell on what those are. And that's a good discussion. But I think with this Charlie getting swept by Washington, like that is putting them in a really tough spot. They put it together another bad weekend. Yeah. I mean, the, what have you done for me lately factor is something the NCAA committee looks at as well. It's not as important as it may be some other metrics, but Oregon definitely hurt themselves over the weekend. There's no question about that. hundred percent. 100%. Uh, my first loser, Will, have now lost back-to-back series, but certainly aren't in nearly as bad a position as Oregon, and that's LSU. Um, they're just kind of limping into the tournament, similar to Oregon, I guess, in a way. It's the injuries of the pitching staff have really hurt them. But, I mean, when you have the talent that you do at LSU, you really shouldn't be dropping series to what's another surprising year of a down year for Mississippi State and then also Auburn. They've got Georgia coming up this weekend, so hopefully they can get back on track there. But, I mean – I think if they lose three in a row, I think they kind of there's no way I think anybody's picking them as a as the favorites for Omaha anymore. Yeah, that's what I think that's what this weekend told me. Um, just I mean, they slide a little bit in the seating, right? You, you yeah. lose this, you you drop out of that number one spot that you held the entire year, the entire offseason, the entire preseason. You drop out of it, and then you, you put together another bad weekend on top of that, and that's the concern. Yeah, you can win with Paul Skeens, but what can you do after that? And yeah. that's been the constant theme with this team. They are talented, but I mean, they slide, they can they're sliding, they're trending in a terrible direction right yeah. now and i'm wondering charlie you brought up georgia do you know the location of that series oh let me check for you real quick um they that is at auburn At right, Auburn. So, oh, i'm sorry that, that i misread that i'm at the wrong thing they're they're at georgia my bad they're in athens dang georgia has had some tough Big wins well, they've had some huge wins at home. So that's a series to watch, first yeah. of all. But also, they have had some tough teams, which you would you would like, right? You're going to yeah. have a tough schedule in the SEC. I don't want to get repetitive, but they have had some tough teams 
come to Georgia, which I would rather have the tough teams come here than go on the road. Don't get me wrong. Oh, for sure. But Georgia's been good at home. They've surprised. They surprised Arkansas. I mean, man, this did. That's going to be interesting because Georgia has played well in SEC play at home, especially coming off a sweep against Missouri. A little bit of intrigue into that series now. So uh, I'm, I got all eyes on that, Charlie. Yeah, absolutely. It should be. I mean, it's if anything, I mean, I, George is now a real contender this year, but if you're an LSU fan that's concerned, we know our boy James Vaughn is definitely concerned. This is a series you want to tap into because losing three series in a row, potentially going into Hoover, which is already hard enough to play and win in. I mean, Tigers future seems so bright at the beginning of the year and it's starting to dim quite a bit now, man. Yes, the ceiling is there, but we got to get to the ceiling. We got to see it. So and we will see if they can heat back up. Still plenty of time to do that. They could get back on track with a road series sweep. Now, talk about a road series sweep in terms of getting swept. Texas State is my second loser. They go to Louisiana, Charlie. What do they do? They get swept, and it was a team in Texas State after losing three at Louisiana, it just felt like it just demolished what this team had going. They were 13 and three headed into that series in their last 16 since beating Texas. They were on such a run and they get swept against Louisiana. That is just a overall, I think, a very tough thing to try to bounce back from. I think they could be able to do it, but when you look at the complexion of the Sun Belt, it just felt like that was not the time for Texas State to have a slip-up on their schedule. Everybody has a slip-up. I'm not going to say there's a good time to have one, but when you look at the complexion of what the Sun Belt standings are looking like right now with Southern Mist and Coastal Carolina tied for first, I mean, Texas State, State now five games out of that picture, they could have still been in that conversation with a sweep. They turn it around and get swept. So interesting things happening in the Sun Belt. You got to give a shout out to James Madison, who's 14 and 11 in that league. The one team that teams probably people don't talk about with Georgia Southern being 14 and 13. I mean, it's just an interesting league when you look at the Sun Belt standings, but that particularly to me, Charlie, a long-winded answer of saying that Texas State is my loser, second loser. Yeah, it's definitely a tough loss for them after they'd been so hot, like you said. It definitely doesn't help them, especially with how good the Sun Belt's been. I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now. Texas State is one, two, three. They're seventh right now in the CUSA standings, so that's a really tough look for them. Getting to the postseason, I will say, I do think Louisiana's the better team, and so it's, it wasn't too surprising. I didn't think they get swept by any means, though. They're both the really talented squads. But I'll say for the Texas State fans out there, and I'll leave them with this too, um, you have University of Louisiana Monroe as your last conference uh, series. So, I mean, that should be an ECW for them. I And I agree. You make a great point. Like Louisiana's third in the league right now. Texas State now drops down, like you mentioned, to seventh. But if you go back before that weekend, Texas State sitting at 15 and nine, it felt like that was an opportunity for yeah. them with the momentum that they had to maybe get up to 16, 17, 18 wins in conference play and at least be competing potentially for a share of the top of the league. I mean, there's still a lot up in uh, in play. It's going to come down to Southern Mr. Coastal. It looks 
looks like, but yeah. and overall, but man, it just, it felt like that one killed their momentum, but you do make a great point. Like Louisiana has a better body of work right now. Yeah. But that, it, at the same time with that, like you're saying, it could have been such a massive opportunity for Texas State to improve their resume beating Louisiana in this series. And you missed it. So you can't really hold it against them because like, statistically and like record-wise they're not the better team so in theory it's expected them from to lose but nonetheless it's baseball anything can happen especially at the college level and speaking of will of anything can happen utsa getting swept by dbu is not something i thought was going to happen i've been a big roadrunners guy this year but outside of the top 25 they're still second in conference usa so they're so any utsa fans listening out here um don't panic like you guys are still in a great spot when it comes to making the postseason so i'm not too worried about your 19-7 overall in conference um, just kind of, sh- it's kind of one of those things where like, you like to say, well, it's a, what have you done for me lately? Slash, where are you kind of where you are now? So maybe those fans hoping for a, a deep run for UTSA in the, in the regional play. And, you know, far on after that, maybe it's just on the cards this year. Cause I think it's clearly that DB is the better team. You make a good point. I mean, it, it came down to the top two teams going at it, and ultimately DBU got it done. And we're going to shift out west for my third loser. Just as easily could have been a winner. Somebody's got to win at the hands of somebody's loss. But UC San Diego is coming up and just flexing their muscles over Cal State Fullerton, a sweep That makes things so, so interesting, Charlie, when we come down to the final weekend of the regular season. Cal State Fullerton getting swept, though. They're my third loser on the list right now. The Big West overall, from a national perspective, is struggling because UC Irvine and UC Santa Barbara all had losing weekends in addition to the first place Cal State Fullerton. It's looking and it's trending in the direction of of being back to a one bid league, at least in my evaluation and what I've read on division one baseball.com. But when you look at the league right now, Cal state Fullerton, 17 and seven, UC San Diego breathing down their neck a little bit. Now, 18 and nine in conference play, getting that sweep over Cal state Fullerton was massive for them. And Fullerton and the Titans have now lost six in, in a row. So they are my third and final loser from this past weekend. Yeah, getting cold at the wrong time. Um one B league, that's gonna be tough because I, I obviously we like UC Santa Barbara. They're 33 and 16. Hopefully they'll get there. But I think looking at this now in hindsight, UC San Diego should have been a big winner for us. I mean, when you can gain three games on the conference leader after you just played, that's a big time thing, especially I guess you can't really say destiny's in their own hands because obviously Fullerton could have went out on this weekend and kind of you know, push out UC San Diego from ever getting past them. But uh, we'll see Fullerton, man. That was just something you don't want to do. That was a missed opportunity to really put some more distance between you and second place in the rest of the conference, especially when you have a little bit of a worse overall record than some of those other guys like San Diego. Or UC San Diego and Santa Barbara both have better records than them as well as UC Irvine. So it's not a great look. I'm not too worried about Fullerton overall. I think they're a good squad. And I, I don't, I can't, I can't picture myself them going on like a nine game losing streak. You know, I think they're way better than that. Yeah, I mean, you make a you make a good point. You see, San Diego trying to spoil the day for the old yeah. Titans. They certainly did this past weekend. I respect it, man. And speaking of not spoiled disappointment, Vanderbilt is my last loser. Dropped the series to Florida. Um, you lost Carter Holton during the weekend. I think he's currently day to day. Last time I checked, um, Florida's just the better team. I mean, obviously. 
Holton is a big loss. And that's part of the reason you lose on Friday. At the same time, your offense does just not show up whatsoever, only putting four runs across three games. I mean, that's just a bad look. Um, not too hard at Vanderbilt overall. I think they're a good team. I don't think they're going to win the whole thing this year, but I mean, they're still could easily make an Omaha run. It's Tim Corbin. I'm never going to count out at Vanderbilt, especially when you have a guy like Enrique Bradfield as one of your catalysts on that team. So overall, bad weekend for uh, Vanderbilt. But honestly, out of besides Vanderbilt and LSU, I think those two have the softest. They're the softest losers of the of our picks, like the least impactful losses. Yeah, it's it's going to be something where. You had, and I looked at that series as well, of course, Florida just dominated. So it's yeah. fair to say that Vanderbilt is the loser in the respect that they weren't, it just wasn't all that competitive. And yeah. it hurts to lose your race, just like Oregon, at least for a weekend or any period of time. They're the tone setter. They're the table setter. They're basically offensively the leadoff hitter. And it, it just hurts in that respect. They're probably the three hole, if you think about it, but maybe two hole, like Goldie. But that doesn't matter, like, at the end of the day, I agree the loser right there in Vanderbilt, but they have an opportunity as well with a top 12 battle coming up this weekend to bounce yeah. back. But as, as much as we say opportunity to bounce back, it, you really start to look how our team's playing at this time of year because it's coming down to the postseason coming up after next weekend with the conference tournaments on the horizon. It's like, okay, yeah. how well are you playing? How well can the teams play in big games on the road, adverse environments, neutral sites, all of the above? So that's that's going to be critical to look at as we continue. Yeah, and I, to finish this off, too, um, this is the time of year. If you're listening, you've kind of noticed it by now. Um, there's kind of two categories teams fall into when it comes to evaluating. It's like you're wor- if, in terms of worriness or confidence as well. You're either worrying that your team's on the fringe of your bubble team that you're hoping that you have to win your conference or just hope the committee's kind to you and puts you in the tournament, or you're worried about the team. Okay, well, we're going to be in the tournament like a Vanderbilt, but like, can we actually win it all this year? So those right. are the two camps that 95% of teams fall into around this time of year. Yeah, we all like, yeah, like Vanderbilt could not win a game the rest of the year. They could get bounced in the first round in Hoover. They're still going to be in the tournament. Good point. That's a really good point. Some teams have to play their way in. Some teams can back their way in with their body of work. And then either way, you're two of your losers, Florida and Vanderbilt. Those definitely are short list of contenders, though, as we talk about teams that could potentially make a run for the whole thing. So, Let's move on. Weekend rotation, Charlie. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, maybe Sunday afternoon, whatever cup of tea you want. But Friday night for me, Charlie, I'm going to pick a couple of young men from the from Stanford, all right? Yes, sir. They had two guys who just absolutely raked. I, and it's hard to know which one did better, really, when you look at their numbers. It's like pick one for player of the week. I think Carter Graham was the D1 player of the week. He was. Rios was the Pac-12 player of the week. So, like, they just – they Spread both the wealth. They both uh, did their thing. Carter Graham, 12 for 21. Alberto Rios, 10 for 18. They combined for 22 hits, one, two of three against Arizona. And how about this for just being a winner? The series finale, a final score of 21 to 20 in 10 innings. So how about that? You're going to get a lot of offense when you score 20 runs. That's that's uh, that score reminds me of last year in the in regionals when most state and Oklahoma State were just putting up football scores against each other. Yeah, that's crazy. No, but yeah, shout out to Carter Graham and Alberto Rios. I mean, Stanford's been one of the best teams in the country this whole season. You have just it's Stanford, you know, you they're not only smart, they're good at baseball, too, which seems unfair. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, definitely a real a legit Omaha contender in my eyes for sure this year. 
Like they Absolutely. have bats everywhere. They were last year, and they could be even better this year. And some would some would say Carter Graham and Rios. I mean, they've been great last year. Tommy Troy. Exactly. And they clinched the regular season title over the weekend as well. So they're going to be the one seed in the Pac-12 tournament for the second consecutive season. But going 10 for 18 with four home runs, two doubles, 11 RBI, seven runs scored. That's what Rios did. And then Carter Graham hit 571 with three homers, 11 RBI. So they both had double digit hits in RBI over the weekend. You gotta love that. Absolutely. And things we, I love, Will, I love pitchers coming up big when it matters most. And I don't think there's anybody that did that more than Hunter Holen on Arkansas against South Carolina to complete the sweep of South Carolina on Sunday. Nine innings pitched, five hits, one earned run, one walk, 10 Ks. Uh, he was absolutely lights out over the weekend for a great Arkansas weekend. I'm not going to talk too much about the weekend. We talked about it plenty already on this. But on the year, Hunter is 3.75 ERA, 20.3% K rate, over 69 and two-thirds innings pitched. This is the kind of stuff you want from a guy as postseason play starts up. Because you know what you got in a guy like Hagen Smith, but you guys need like Hunter Holland and company to start really pumping it up. Because you know the teams can hit, but you need that pitching deep down. You do, and that's an impressive thing. I mean, he's been really good. He's He's been kind of under the radar for some people, but he's been one of the top arms for him. And, and it consistently in the weekend rotation toward the front of that staff, you, you really got to like what they ultimately have done and how they have been playing. And that's exactly the way I can describe my second young man in my weekend rotation, Josh Pine out of the Big Ten from Indiana. He, in one week, had 14 runs driven in, scored nine runs, hit 588. The sophomore third baseman did a lot of things. He had an extra base hit in every single game. I mean, he slugged over a thousand for the week. So overall, you, you just have to be impressed by what was done in that regard and in the grand scheme of things for his team. They're surging right now. Indiana's won seven in a row. They're 38 and 14 right now, but he just absolutely raked over the weekend. You got to give a lot of credit to Josh Pine, the Big Ten player of the week, and, and for good reason. A lot of opportunities to score runs when they put up 26, 15, and 10 in the three games against Purdue in Bloomington, Indiana over the weekend. So a ton of runs scored, and he scored quite a bit of them. So kudos to Mr. Josh Pine, the Saturday guy in my weekend rotation from last I, weekend. I've got a hot take, Will. First off, shout out to Josh. Great weekend for him, obviously. That's why he's in the weekend rotation. It's a great pick. I think the most exciting and most intriguing conference tournament this, this year is going to be the Big Ten. So there's this Big Ten's a lot more talent than we thought. Because I remember shitting on it early in the preseason. I was very wrong about that. Indiana's one of my favorites in there. Maryland's been fantastic. Iowa's still really solid. Michigan State, we still we acknowledge we still haven't talked too much about it overall, and people haven't really either. But I mean, there's some legit contenders in here. I mean, last year too, the Big Ten t- title was a fun one to watch. So I'm hoping for another banger this year. Plus, Rutgers still has not has had a solid season as well. So there's yeah. a ton of contenders, and there's not a ton of like separate. There's not like a clear one one. You can maybe say it's Maryland because they've been there before and their offense. You know, you've guys like Matt Shaw and Nick LaRue, so it's hard not to bet on that team. And, and I'm, ex- I'm excited for the final weekend, too, because Indiana and Maryland are tied right now for first place in the Big Ten. Indiana 15 and six, Maryland 15 and six. So they're both tied for first. Where's that at? Right is that now. At, is that at Indiana or at Maryland? 
Well, no, no, no. They're not playing each other. Oh, my bad. But I'm okay. just saying. Um, Got it. Gotcha. It's coming down. So Maryland finishes the year at Penn State. Okay. Oh, that's right. And, I know that. and then Indiana finishes the year at Michigan State. So Ooh, that's the banger right there. They both have 15 and six records, though. So it's going to be one of them to win the regular season title. Um, we'll see who it's going to be. But Indiana, again, seven in a row. You, you've they've played so well as of late, and Josh Pine helped that cause. Just a dominant sweep over Purdue, a, a yeah. team you would expect them to sweep. But look at some of the run totals. I mean, they're hitting a stride at the right time right now. Absolutely. So hats off to Indiana. Been watching them a lot this year. They're a lot of fun to watch. I was high on them last year. I said I was wrong. I picked the wrong season to get on the train. <laughs> Twenty six. You know, it happens. That's baseball yeah. right there. Speaking of just baseball, my Saturday guy out of the SWAC, our beloved SWAC, is not from my Alabama State team, though, but it's from Texas Southern. That's Cade Fontenot. Nine innings pitched, five hits, no runs. So t- shout out, one walk, 11 Ks on the weekend. I mean, he only he outdid Hunter, which is impressive. You know, Hunter had one of the best outings you're going to see all year. Cade just a little bit better against lesser opponents, but that's okay because Cade on the year two, 379 ERA, 35 and two thirds inning pitched, 45 to 15 walks. 45 strikeouts to 15 walks and a potent batting average will of a 213. The interesting thing about Cade, too, is he's not traditionally, a, he's not been a starter the whole year. He's had, I think, 15 appearances, only six have been starts. So he's been doing it all this year. So, especially with hats off to a guy where coach asks you to be flexible and he bends the way that he needs to. Yeah. Bending. You talk about bending and not breaking, but we're talking about bending and succeeding yes, right sir. now. And that's what has happened overall. Impressive, to say the least. Yeah. I've got more impressive things on the docket. I know you do as well. We're going to shift off now to the Missouri Valley. Charlie, a team that has been better than any in the Missouri Valley is Indiana State. They're 21-3 and in conference play. Jeez. And just behind them is Missouri State. 18 and six in conference play, but Indiana state right now, one of the best RPIs in the country, getting respect in the national polls with a 35 and 14 record. And over the weekend, well, Connor Fenlong threw the ball incredibly well for Indiana state. So on Saturday, we're talking about Josh Pine of Indiana on Sunday. We're talking about Connor Fenlong of Indiana state. Who's been such a good team this year. And overall he shoved complete game shutout for him. And overall we're talking about celebrating wins for Mitch Hannes. It was his 30th win, 300th win as a Sycamore as well. So that was a nice thing for a milestone victory for that. But overall, Indiana State gets the job done. Complete game shutout for Connor Fenlong, and he did it, Charlie, against Murray State in Terre Haute, Indiana. You just got to be impressed with the ability to throw the ball that effectively. Once again, another shutout for him. He's been one of the better arms around the country so far this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, shout out to Indiana, the state in general. Great weekend for them all around. Um, Indiana State, one of the better kept secrets. Uh, I guess not a secret anymore if they're getting national attention now. Uh, another one I'll be excited to see how that tournament goes. I really do want Indiana State versus Mo State in the Missouri Valley Final. That'd be an absolute banger to watch because, you know, both teams are going to bring everything they got. And plus, I don't know, I'm biased. I like watching Mo State a lot. I remember like, growing up seeing guys like Jake Berger, you know, 
all those and even Luke Voigt a little bit too. Just dude's absolutely rake and most state knows how to do it. Yeah. Dylan Coleman gonna, as well. It's gonna be a fun tournament. I mean, I know most state was able to win it last year and they were they were down there as the five seed. So now yeah. it's two seed. They they them and Indiana State feels like that's what's gonna shape up in the championship game of that tournament. But Indiana State looking like they they they're trying to host. They're that yeah. good. I mean, when you look at what they're gonna do and would that be a twist? And Connor Fenlong is just, I mean, he's been a Blaine Traxel-esque. I mean, third complete game of the year, and he's, he's just been so impressive. So you, you love to see that again. And when you go CGSHO, you, you're getting on my list. And I know there was a couple over the weekend. It was kind of hard to pick who had the best performance, yeah. but picked it with Connor Fenlong. The real rotation, I guess, in the end is how good the arms okay. But we're going to switch from the arms, Will, for my, own, my lone bat on the day. And that's John Cristino out of Towson. He had a 9-10 Wobo on the weekend. He went 8 for 14, 3 doubles, 4 homers, 11 RBIs. He's on the year, though, 315 on base percent, on base plus slugging, excuse me, of 1,086, 12 homers, 426 Babbitt, and a 379 ISO. So that's a ton of power in his bat. Once again, also, I didn't say at the beginning, all my on-the-year stats come from my boy Robert Fry at Frylytics.com. Go give that some love. Go use it. It's a great website. If you're a college baseball fan, you need to start using it. Yeah, you have to. It, it gives you all the numbers, all the data, and you talk about that. Eight for 14, I mean, that's a good amount of data, but just to back it up, I mean, overall, yeah. it's an incredible weekend. And, and Big Robbie, he does he does as good a work as any in the game of college baseball. And we're Bobby Data, that, baby. We're, we're going to say that every week. And, hey, just as a surprise, we're going to try to have him on for you guys as much as we talk about him. You can hear straight from the horse's mouth uh, potentially in the coming weeks. So, Absolutely, man. Um, that's all I've got. Series picks, Will? Am I officially the champion? Well, not yet. Um, you have a. Three- we, we, we haven't given away our picks yet, so I guess people don't know yet. That's a good point. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So you have a three. <laughs> Man, you're making me want to change my picks now. So you went three and two last week. I had a tough yeah. week one and four after I think I was, you know. You went five and 14. zero pretty prior. I was like 14 for my last one or something. I was like, yeah, you're I, I was running it off five and O's and four and ones. Had a tough week. It happens. So you have a three game lead on me with one week left. And so based off our picks, you're right. Um, I'm not going to be able to make up that ground, but should, should I change the picks to try to make up ground? Is that what we're trying to do here now? I mean, you can, my thing at the same time though is, I'm big on just picking who I think is actually going to win. And I know if you're going to change something, we should probably get through these picks first, but at the same time, <laughs> I don't know. I don't I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. So congrats to you. Congrats Thank you, sir. You. Thank you. All right. <laughs> way, way more fun this year than last year, though. Way closer. Yes, it was a good time. We're still going to pick conference tournaments next Absolutely. week, but this will conclude our series. Pick them. And uh, Charlie, take it away. Oh, we got our first series of the weekend. We have some bangers this week, too. Not necessarily all top-ranked matchups, per se. But this one is to start – that's number two, Arkansas at number 12, Vandy. Um, I'm going to Arkansas on this one. I think it's going to be very, very close. I think it's contingent a little bit too on if Carter Holton's going to play. If Holton plays, then Vandy has a way better chance. But if there's no Carter Holton, I don't. See, I think Arkansas has got a tremendous ability to capitalize on this and just probably take – they'd probably they have the one seed in the SEC, wouldn't they? They'd have to. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I'm taking. I'm, I'm going. I'm rolling with the Razorbacks. Blue pig. It, I mean, it is a big series overall. T- it's number two versus number twelve. Arkansas number two traveling to number twelve and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt coming off a tough weekend against Florida. They yeah. got swept. They got dominated. I think they're going to come back to their own stomping grounds, their home field, and take the series. I'm picking Vanderbilt in this one right now. When you look at the standings overall, Florida and Vanderbilt are now tied. At 17 and nine at first place in the SEC East. Of course, Florida's ahead of them because they just swept them. And then in the SEC West, it's Arkansas 19 and eight. And then LSU second in the West at 17 and nine. So they could conclude that. Close, man. They, they could conclude that West championship this week. And but I'm going to go with Vanderbilt. I'm going to have them getting the job done at home. They have a 23 and five record at home this year. Arkansas with a losing record on the road. So I'm going to go with Vandy and the Vandy boys. I like it. I'm excited for that series a lot. The next one I'm also very excited about because I remember talking to you before we started recording. I'm like, not necessarily, I'm looking at these series, but not necessarily all young. Know, one like, top 25 each first other, but there's just some bangers in terms of not only implications, but also the atmosphere that's where we're going to be at. And this is a perfect example of that. Number six, West Virginia at Texas. Uh, Big 12 is always a fun conference to watch. I love watching games when they're at Texas. The crowd's always incredible. It's always electric. Texas is still a solid squad. So West Virginia can't just take the day off on this. We'll get excited. I'm excited to see our boy Blaine tracks. will pitch in this game. I'm taking West Virginia in this. I think there's the better team. Texas have been a little inconsistent this year, and so I don't really trust them. You know, they are at home. I'm still going to take the Mountaineers. This is a massive series. I'm with you. I'd say it's probably the most consequential series um, for, for both teams. Really, when you look at this series, I'm saying the consequences and the stakes in this series are particularly high. West Virginia, 15 and 6 in Big 12 play atop the Big 12, one of the top teams in the country, sixth overall. Texas, though, they're sitting at third in the Big 12 at 12 and 9. So if they get a series sweep, they would have the advantage over West Virginia. So a Big 12 title is on the line this weekend in Austin. It's going to be fun. Both of them have a chance for the Big 12 regular season title going at it. Of course, the second team of the Big 12, Oklahoma State, might have something to say about that depending on what happens in this one. But over Overall, a Big 12 title on the line. It's going to be rowdy. Wouldn't be surprised if Texas comes out and wins. They're 25 and 8 at home, but I think West Virginia is going to get the job done. They've just been so good all year, and I don't see them slowing down. JJ Weather holds a dog. Blaine Traxel throws the ball well on Saturdays for them. And that, that team is just going to continue to roll, at least from my evaluation, though. Texas is going to put up a fight. You know, those fans in Austin want that Big 12 title as well, and that they oh, have absolutely. a potential chance for. So it's a great series, and I'm gonna go with West Virginia and agree with you. It's me, it's me, gas. Next one should be gas too. We've got UNC at number seven, Clemson. I'm taking Clemson, I'm just gonna keep riding that hot hand. I think they've been incredible. UNC's been a little bit of a letdown this year, obviously. Like midweek, darling Vance Honeycutt's been a had a little bit of a down year compared to last year, but my boy Matt Horvath has certainly picked up the slack on that category. He's been absolutely dog this year. Should be a great atmosphere. Clemson's another one. Great stadium, great fans. UNC fans will for sure travel because it's not that far away. Um, Big time series, ACC matchup. There's nothing not to like about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to also go with Clemson. I think they pick up their seventh series win in a row. It's going to be interesting because NC State does have a lot of talent, um, but 
and they're they're a team that can play really well at times and surprise you at least with the some of the results that they put up in terms of trying to have some momentum and they continue to challenge themselves. I mean, this is a Tar Heels team now. Don't get it twisted. They've won five games in a row coming off a big weekend sweeping NC State. So they, they look really good in that too. And, and they so they have momentum headed into this matchup in Clemson, but it's senior day for Clemson. Final home weekend of the regular season, trying to cap it off with seven in a row. I think Clemson's going to get it done despite the Tar Heels and their final home weekend getting the sweep over NC State. I like it. Next, we're staying in the ACC. Got number 16 Duke and number 11 Miami. This one I think was the hardest one for me to pick between. Next closest is probably the Arkansas Vandy series. I am going to go with Miami in this one because I, I, CJ Cavis was an All-American pick for me to start the year. Yo-Yo Morales is incredible. I like a lot of what they got, they've got going on down there. I think ultimately the real edge for me is simply the fact that they're at home. And I think Miami plays really well at home. Um, just kind of comes down to that, to be totally honest. Not a whole lot of analytical stuff for that. This is a tough series as well. I mean, I, I second what you said. Number 16, Duke at number 11, Miami. It was hard for me to pick as well. Uh, Miami and Duke overall. I think Miami right now at home, like you said, I give them the slight edge, but Duke has shown the ability to take some big road series over the weekend. And are we really going to pick against Duke? They just lost their first series since March last weekend against Georgia Tech. Will we expect them to bounce back? I don't know. So that, 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 that was kind of my thought process on it. But overall, I think Miami is going to get it done. They're going to try to just be flying high and, and do some really good things overall in this series. And I ultimately have them doing the thing because they've got a guy when it comes down to close series, my mind always goes to the back end of the bullpen. And I think that Boy. Miami has that with big Walters who just, I mean, he just dominates. I mean, he did it over the weekend again. He got an eight out save against Pitt, and he just looked incredible. So uh, that's, I don't know why, where my mind goes sometimes with that, but I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go with Miami in this one. I think they're going to get the job done. They're also 26 and four at home. So those are some pretty good reasons to pick them and ultimately that's the direction i'm going to go once again after their series went over pit i'm going with them to pick a series win over duke all right easiest pick for me is the next one we got 14 campbell at usc upstate this is a this would be a fun one to watch so all you small school fans tune in even though campbell is for sure the better squad upstate's still second in the big south they're still a good team in their own right this is a lot of fun to watch last year i'm rocking with the humps though i was never not going to rock with the humps it's always been the humps it always will be the humps They've been this team is somehow better than last year. And you, you know, you lose Zach Neto and Thomas Harrington, but you somehow retool and are even better, which is incredible. Hats off Justin Harrington, what they've done. This has been an incredible season. They've definitely been backpacking me in our small schools draft, but I think Campbell gets it done this weekend. Yeah, it's crazy to think, you know, leadoff hitter at times, starting shortstop in the MLB, gone, you're better. At least record 39 and 11, 20 and 4 at home, 18 and 7 on the road, and 21 and 3 in conference play. So it would be irresponsible for me not to pick Campbell. Oh, yeah. In the Big South conference play, they hardly ever 
lose. And they picked up a series win over Gardner Webb last weekend, despite dropping the series finale. And again, that was just their third conference loss of the year. 21 and three is just remarkable. It's what you expect out of a team that's ranked this high in that league. And I think that they're going to get the job done against USC upstate. But I like how this is a series pick because fans, it should be intriguing. There should be good baseball in this series, but overall, I mean, you're picking Campbell against Campbell. I mean, that just seems like it's a mistake. So crazy. Campbell, but it is the top two teams. And as much as we talk about 21 and three USC upstate is 19 and five. So if USC upsets Campbell, they would go to 20, 21, 22. They would win the big South regular season. So the big South regular season title is on the line this weekend. If USC upstate sweeps, they win it. So you, you have to think that they are motivated, but Campbell's hunting for that title as well. It's going to be, and, fun to see, but I'm going to not mistaken. This is their last potential title in the big South, right? Cause they moved to the CAA next year. Yes. So that, that also is another factor. They want to go out with a bang and it's going to be a big series, but USC up to state can play some ball. Now they're 20 and eight at home in yeah. their own right. And 34 and 18 overall. So these are the clear cut two best teams in the league. And it'll be fun to see them go at it. I mean, both of the teams are winning about 80 or above percent of their conference games. So it'll be fun to see. Absolutely. So just to reiterate, as we finish off here today, Arkansas at Vanderbilt. I've got Arkansas. Will's got Vanderbilt. West Virginia at Texas. We've both got West Virginia. UNC at Clemson. We've both got Clemson. Duke at Miami. We both have Miami. And then Campbell at USC Upstate. We both have Campbell. Yes, indeed. It's been a fun podcast, Charlie. Final regular season weekend coming up in series pickums. So, you know, the season flew by, but feels like we're just getting started with our coverage um, in the coming weeks. Next week, um, I hope you guys can join us as we'll talk about the conference tournaments coming up, give you all you need to know for that. And then, uh, of course, in the regional, super regional World Series coverage, we'll be all over it all way long to Omaha. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And, um, again, we'll talk to you next time on the Midweek Podcast. That's all my eyes can see. Victory is mine. Yes.